Hello, this is Pastor Bob Gray. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast here at Emmanuel Baptist Church of Longview. I trust the services will be a blessing to you. If I can do anything for you, please let me know. You can find our information on the website at ebclongview.com. Let's go right into the services of Emmanuel Baptist Church. Enjoy God's Word. 1 Peter chapter 2. I was studying through the book of First and Second Peter, coming off of uh, a study in the book of Hebrews um, about the uh, priesthood. Um, I wanted, I wanted, I was very intrigued by the priesthood. I was very intrigued by the fact that uh, the priest had to die every so often, and that a new priest would step on the scene, and and then it all, it all goes to this height, if you will. When Jesus Christ dies on the old rugged cross and uh, as the final lamb. But there were two verses that as I was studying, my study on the priesthood took me into 1 Peter chapter 2. And it says here about those of us who are saved. Those of us who are born again. It starts out by telling us that grow by the word. Get the milk of the word and then we grow by that word and And then we're going to taste that the Lord is gracious. And then he tells us in verse number five, ye also are lively stones, are built up a spiritual house. And look what it says here. And a and holy what? Priesthood. That was intriguing to me because then it says it again in verse number nine. And I I am not going to be long, but I do want to lay something at your feet. Uh, because I think that people are not as fulfilled as they need to be in their Christian life. And, and I think there is a reason for that. Because when we get saved, he said that we become part of this holy priesthood. Now that, that's amazing to me. Look at verse number 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a what please? Royal priesthood. And I love how he puts this, a peculiar people, amen? Peter's referring to us that, those of us that are saved, that he was telling the believers here in the New Testament, which is true in our lives, that as believers, we are part of this fraternity of people that carry a responsibility. You see, we have this idea that there are those that are saved And then from this saved group, there comes this special group. That's not what this is saying. What this is saying is that the day you got saved, you became part of this special group of people known as the priesthood. You entered in. Now, now you need to know that the day you got saved, it was not just a fire escape from hell, although you'll stay out of hell. The reason God left you here is because he wants you to be active in your faith. He does not want there to be a time that you sit on the sideline. Don't let age set you on the sideline. Don't let the fact your health is not what it needs to be put you on the sideline. Because there is something wonderful about understanding the day I got saved was the day I was put into this priesthood. Now, Jesus is the high priest, and we know that. There is the priesthood of the believer. It's a doctrine that teaches that you and I now have direct access to God. We don't need 
Um, we don't need a, uh, a operator named Mary. My, my mom was the very first convert of my father. And my father uh, took my mom to a Baptist meeting. My mom was Catholic and took my mom to a Baptist meeting. And uh, my mama got so convicted at the end of the meeting because the evangelist of that night put a Bible by the only entrance into the building and said, if you're going to go to hell, you'll have to step over the Bible. And, uh, and so my mom got so scared, she ran to the bathroom and crawled out the bathroom window and uh, went to the parking lot. And my dad went out there, and you should hear my mom tell it. And my mom said, I'm sitting there crying, I'm mad. And my dad comes out, and my mom grabs my dad and says, if that preacher's true, I'm going to hell. And why didn't you tell me? And right there in that parking lot, mom and dad, seniors in high school, my daddy led my mama to the Lord Jesus Christ. I say it often, praise God. That my daddy converted my mama and my mama didn't convert my daddy. I would not make a good Catholic boy. Y'all, a couple of reasons why. One, I'm not going into some phone booth somewhere telling somebody I can't see everything that's going on in my life. Everybody agree with that one? Because they're probably on a tape recorder somewhere and they're going to take it back to my mom and I'm going to get whooped all over again. The second reason I wouldn't make a good Catholic is I'd get the chance all mixed up. My chance would go, Hail Mary, full of grace, save us from this awful place, swing them high, swing them low, go Mary, go, go, go. I'm I, I just not going to do it. And then the next thing I wouldn't make a good Catholic is I'm not relaying a message through a woman at any time. Because let me tell you something, you ladies interpret what you hear. Like I, like I look at Kelly and I say, hey babe, you need to go get your hair done. I don't mean that bad, you just need to go get, and you know what? She interprets. I think all ladies are, this is just, Ethan, get ready, because Morgan's going to interpret what you say. And, uh, and she go gets her hair done. But you know, you can't get your hair done unless you get your fingernails done. You can't get your fingernails done unless you get your toes done. You can't get your toes done unless you get a new dress. And God forbid that you would ever have a new dress without having a new purse. And oh, if you got a new purse without getting new shoes, that's blasphemous right there. Come on now. How many know exactly what I'm talking about? Praise God on that one. And if your wife is not that way, you got problems. Amen. No, you're blessed. And, uh, but but, but this, this priesthood of the believer is where you don't need somebody to go find out how God feels about you and come back and tell you. You, you know, you can go to the Lord. Amen? You can go to the Lord. It's called priesthood of the believer. The, the second teaching that I would like to give you before we get into this is soul liberty. Soul liberty means this, as I'm spending time with the Lord. Soul liberty just doesn't mean you can do whatever you want to do. Salvation is not a license to the flesh. Grace is not to be used as a cloak. Come on now. But soul liberty is this, while I'm spending time with the high priest, and while I'm spending time with the Lord, he'll let me know what I need to do. Isn't that beautiful? But the day you got saved was the day you entered into the priesthood, the royal priesthood, the holy priesthood. No more does anybody need to go to get anything for you from the Lord, but this is a separate responsibility that comes. When I was looking at the priesthood, can you go back to Numbers chapter 3? And if you and I have entered into the royal priesthood, a holy priesthood, there's a reason why God used this as referring to you and I as believers. Back in Numbers chapter 3, and in Numbers chapter 3, and look at verse number 3. And now, if you would, I'm going to have them put up on the screen, if you'll put that diagram up on the screen. And the, the, the priesthood 
was broken down into four families. They all came from the tribe of Levi, but they were broken down into four families. The very first family is Numbers chapter 3, verse 3. These are the names of the sons of Aaron, the priests which were anointed, whom he consecrated to minister in the priest's office. That was the first priest. He did uh, the spiritual duties. He did the priesthood duties. He was the one that the high priest from Aaron's line could enter into the Holy of Holies and could enter into where nobody else could go. But then there were three other families. Go to Numbers chapter 4 and verse number 2. Numbers chapter 4 and look at verse number 2. There was the Kohathites. Look at verse, verse number 2. Take of the sons of Kohath from among the sons of Levi after their families by the house of their fathers. So now all of a sudden you find out that there is the Kohathites. Then if you'll go to Numbers chapter 4 and verse 22, and it's all outlined right there in chapter 4. And then you have the Gershonites there in, in Numbers chapter 4, and look at verse number 22. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take also of the sum of the sons of Gershon throughout the houses of their fathers by their families. So now you have the Gershonites, you have the Kohathites, you have the Gershonites, and then look at verse number 29, you have the Merites. Verse number 29, if you will. And the sons of Merai shalt thou number them after the family by the house of their fathers. And so now you have these three families. Now, where there was only one tribe of Levi, and where every, all the other 11 tribes did not have the priestly duties, they simply had the duty to follow. They simply had the duty to fight. But there was something wonderful about this tribe of Levi. This tribe of Levi, they would take these four families, and when you were born into one of these four families, you already had what your, what your job was going to be. Aaron was responsible for the priestly duties. The Kohathites, their service uh, was that there were 8,600 at this time of writing, 8,600 uh, from a month old and upward, 2,750 of those were able to serve. The Kohathites' job was to take care of the vessels and the object of the sanctuary, the Ark of the Covenant, the menorah, the table of showbread. This is what the Kohathites did. So understand that the, the Aaron's family, they took care of the spiritual. But the Kohathites, they were those who took care of the vessels and the objects of the sanctuary, the Ark of the Covenant, the menorah, the table of showbread, then you had the Gershonites. There were 2,630 of them that were able to serve. Their job was to take care of the curtains, the hangings, the ropes of the sanctuary. So when the sanctuary would break down, then all of a sudden the Levites, they would lead out. And then the Merites, their job was to take down the framework, the post, the crossbars, the courtyard tent pegs. So get the picture. Where... In the Old Testament, 11 tribes had nothing to do with the tabernacle. They had nothing to do with the priesthood. This was something the tribe of Levi took care of. That as soon as that pillar moved, and as soon as that cloud moved, and as soon as God said, let's move. Now, we got to move. They were considered, from the book of Hebrews, the church in the wilderness. 
This was a church, and if you ever took Baptist history from Brother Bowen, this was the church of baptized, anyways. And, uh, and, and so, so here is this called the church in the wilderness. They're coming out of Egypt. They are headed to the promised land, and now they had to have some order. So the tribes would surround the tabernacle, and these would be on either side. The 12 tribes would be divided out. The tribe of Levi's job, as soon as the trumpet and as soon as the cloud and the pillar started to move, then the Merorites would quickly go and start taking up the tent pegs. They would start taking down the framework. They would start taking apart the post. They would start taking apart the crossbars. And then they would be ready to move. As soon as they were done, then all of a sudden the Gershonites would come in and they would take care of the curtains and the hangings and the ropes of the sanctuary. Everything that made the sanctuary stand, the Merites would take care of. Everything that made the tabernacle beautiful, then the Gershonites would take care of. And everything that the priests would use in their daily ministration, then all of a sudden the Kohathites would do. But listen to this. Nobody in the tribe of Levi was without a job. Without a job. They would take this segment, if you will. But nobody that was between the, the, this, this certain ages found there in Numbers chapter 4, they had a job. Ladies and gentlemen, do you know God never meant for you as a believer to be on the sideline and have nothing to do? This is why he said, you are part of a royal priesthood. You are part of a holy priesthood. And when you enter into that priesthood, please know this, the only way a church can go forward with God. Now, a church can journey. Listen, if we decide to get into social programs and we decide to change who we are, listen to me, we can journey. But I don't want to journey without the presence of God. I want to journey with the presence of God. And as we journey with the presence of God, guess what it's going to take? It's going to take everybody because the day you got saved, my friend, you can go anywhere you want to go. You can do whatever you want to do. But you were put into the royal priesthood. And a church has to have everybody involved when we go to move. If you're a young man, a teenager here, and you feel like God's called you to preach, would you come up here and stand with me if you'll do that? Come on. If you're a teenager here and you're like, you know, God's called me to preach. I know we got several of them. Come on. It's, it's easy. Come up and stand next to the pastor. It's, it's easy to look at our young men and say, well, you know, God's called them. God's called them. And, and, and I would consider anybody that God has called to preach the word, to, to feed the flock of God. They fall underneath Aaron's part. But church, listen to this. If this is the future of our spiritual leaders, are you the future of the structural of our church? You see, a church does its job. And, and, and the other night when the teenagers were, were, were had their, 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 uh, their service and we had the takeover service, let me tell you something. A good youth department is not someone who has people surrendering to be more worldly. Let me tell you something. A good youth department is when you have young men who have gone through the weekly and the weekly and the weekly, and then all of a sudden they come up saying, God's touched my heart. I believe God wants me to enter into the ministry. But bigger than that. 
It's when you can load up 50 teenagers and drive for an hour and a half to sit through 30 minutes of preaching and drive an hour and a half back, and the teenagers just love being there. Let me tell you, you judge a youth department not, not by the standard of, any, of the world. It is what is God doing, and do they recognize that they have a priesthood that they've entered into? And church, listen, if this is the future of churches and, and if God forbid that something would ever happen in their lives morally or, 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 or anything that would knock them out of this race, and that's why you need to pray for them. But I'll tell you, what good is their surrender if there's not a structure? You know, there was a time when it was just surrender to pastor. Nobody can surrender to pastor. God's got to reach down. It's a calling, my friend. Do y'all hear that? It's a calling. But we confuse this one fact. Everybody's to be in the priesthood. Did you hear that? You may do the sacred, but you're still supposed to be in the priesthood. You may do the spiritual, but you're still supposed to be in the priesthood. Thank you, guys. You can have a seat. I'm going to come to you tonight and ask you this question. What are you doing to help the house of God get from point A to point B? What part of the priesthood are you involved in? You say, well, pastor, I, I think I need to. I get it. I get it. But I'm just coming to you tonight to ask you this question. Is all you do is all I do is just we're part of the journey or are we picking up a lamppost and carrying it? Are we picking up a peg and carrying it? Are we doing something? I have asked Brother Metters to teach the auditorium class on Sunday morning so I can just kind of walk around and see what is going on. And I was upstairs today, and, and, and it was amazing to me how that our singles in our church, how that they get it and they understand. I've got to be busy. Wednesday night, Brother Joe taught here, and I stepped upstairs, and, and I kind of stepped over and looked in and peeked in. Let me tell you something. A church is going forward. It is not done by the pastor itself, himself, and it's not done by the, the, those that are of the segment of Aaron, if you will. It moves forward when the Kohathites and the Gershonites and the Merites, and when they said, hey, let's move this thing forward. I'm going to come to you tonight. You can take it off the screen. I'm going to come to you tonight and ask you, in verse in, in he, he, Ephesians 4 16 would you turn there Ephesians chapter 4 in verse number 16 and I want you to answer this question what are you supplying to the body if this church is a body what do you give back to the body you say pastor are you trying to get me to I'm trying to get you to recognize you're not just a church member the day you got saved was the day you entered into this priesthood and you have a responsibility to help the church take a step forward. You have a responsibility that when it's like, oh, good night, God's doing something. Let's pick up them tent posts. You say, Pastor, there's no way I could get up and do what you can do, but can you carry a tent post? You say, Pastor, there's no way I could sing like they got up and sang tonight. Okay, fine. Can you carry the hanging of, 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 the, of the curtains? Everybody needs to do something here here in a couple of weeks i'm going to be handing you a, a pamphlet and in that pamphlet is going to be our footprint for getting the gospel out things we can do and i'm just not preaching for the sake of preaching i'm coming to you telling you the day you said dear jesus i know i'm a sinner i know i'm on my way to hell and lord i need a savior 
would you save me? At that moment, you became part of a royal priesthood. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. When you and I understand that we have to do something, you say, but my schedule, do something. You say, but my health, do something. You say, but do something. And I think that this this is not going to be me rolling out a list of what you need to do. It's me coming to you telling you this. Nobody interacts with the Lord Jesus Christ and gets on their knees and says, hey, Lord, what can I do without the Lord coming up with something that you can do? You know what my job is? I'm a traffic cop. I stand in the middle of this big old intersection called Christianity, and I stand here for church, and I just go, okay, what do you want to do? I want to do the nursing home. All right, you get over there and do that. What do you want to do? And and then all of a sudden, I direct traffic. Listen, it's not my job. It is not my job to find something for you to do. It's your job to go to God and find out what he wants you to do. You see, if you're waiting on me to call you, you're not going to get called. Because I don't know it all. Oh, but he knows it all. And he knows what needs to fit. He said, well, Saturday morning doesn't work out for me. This has nothing to do with Saturday morning. He yeah. said, well, well, teaching the children has nothing, that doesn't work out for me. It has nothing to do with that. You know what it has to do with? God knew why you needed to be a member of Emmanuel Baptist Church. And God knew that this body of believers could win an old wicked world to Jesus Christ. And he knew that this church needed to function, function smoothly and when he said here that from who the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Do not let 10% of the church do 90% of the work. Don't, don't, don't let it be that way. Don't let it be that way. And I'm praying this. You know, I was asking, if you'll look right up this way, I was asking for the Lord to, to, having the sermon laid out, I was asking for the Lord to kind of help me. I said, Lord, I, I have to have a fleece. Don't judge me too much, okay? <laughs> because it's like, Lord, I've got to have that kind of fleece. And yesterday, yesterday afternoon, while I was kind of putting all the finishing touches on, on the sermon and meditating and praying over it, it was, it was very interesting that I received a phone call from one of our members. And on the other end of that phone call, and they're here tonight, and I asked them if I could use this by permission. On the other end of that phone call, they said, Pastor, for whatever reason right now, I am so convicted that I do nothing but leave my house and come to the church, and I've made enough excuses in my life. I'm done making excuses. And they said, Pastor, what do I need to do? And I said, I'll tell you what you need to do. You need to go to prayer and let God tell you what you need to do. And then come back and see me. I'm done, but I'm laying it at your feet. The happiest you'll ever be in the Lord is when you are serving and when you are part of this royal priesthood. This this is the only way you're going to be happy. 
And I don't want the church to get so large that all of a sudden everybody takes this attitude. Well, you know, it's all covered. No, it's not. Did y'all hear that? No, it's not. Because our God still has something for everybody to do. You say, Pastor, where do I sign up? On your knees. On your knees. If you right now are a member of Emmanuel Baptist Church in name only, then we need to be done being members in name only. One of our senior saints called and said, Pastor, what can I do? I said, let me give you a couple of names and numbers for you to call every Saturday night. For the past two months, every Saturday night, they'll call two or three people on a rotation. And they tell me, they tell me this, Pastor, they, this is amazing. Because they'll say, why are you calling me? Did Pastor tell you to call me? You know what the shut-in said? Yes, he did. Well, why didn't he call me? She said, Pastor, I don't know what to tell him. I said, tell him I tried. They're not answering. The day you got saved. The day you got saved. Was the day you entered into the royal priesthood. And inside of everybody is something you can do. My father-in-law is 85 and 85, 86, 87. 82, 87. His health right now is not where it needs to be. But every time I preach this kind of sermon, my father-in-law, he will weep and say, what can I do? You listen to me, there's coming a day when you can't do. There's coming a day when you can't do. Get involved now. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the podcast of the sermons from Emmanuel Baptist Church of Longview. We trust that the sermons and God's word was a blessing to you and yours. Please visit us at ebclongview.com. If we can do anything for you, please let us know. Have a great day.